Hi there! Welcome back to the 2022 summer season of 76 West, a podcast from the Lambert Center for Arts and Ideas at the Marlene Meyerson JCC Manhattan. Conversations at the JCC are made possible by Zabars and Zabars.com. I'm Jason Blitman from the Lambert Center for Arts and Ideas, and on today's episode, I talk to author Alyssa Sussman about her novel, Funny You Should Ask, which is, in my opinion, the romantic comedy that's the perfect way to end your summer. Alyssa Sussman is a writer, a reader, and a pumpkin pie eater. She's also the author of contemporary and fantastical stories for teens and adults, including her YA contemporary novel, Drawn That Way, as well as YA fairy tales, Stray and Burn. In a previous life, Alyssa managed animators and organized spreadsheets at some of the best animation studios in the world, including Nickelodeon, Disney, DreamWorks, and Sony Imageworks. She received her BA from Sarah Lawrence College and her MFA from Pacific University. She lives in Los Angeles with her husband. And now please enjoy my conversation with Alyssa Sussman. Um, I'm so happy to meet you. I'm so happy to meet you. I love your shirt. <laughs> Thank you. I can. I feel like I could blend into your wall. That's so fantastic. Thank you. Are those real plants? They are, yeah. I love it. <laughs> I am obsessed with the fact that you are a self-proclaimed writer, reader, pumpkin eater. <laughs> I love pie. I'm a big fan of pie. Only pie? Uh, well, pie. pie, I have a special, I have a special affinity for pie. Um, my family hosts this uh, annual celebration. We call it Piebration, where everyone brings pie and we just spread them all out and we eat them and people come and just, you take a little spoon, you try a bunch of different pies. And so I have a, I have a special affinity for pie, but I love baking in general. So I'm so curious to hear about your journey not just writing this book, but becoming a writer. Cause I feel like everyone kind of takes their own, is on their own path to get to writing. What, what was yours like growing up, not in Ohio, but in Ohio. <laughs> growing up, sadly, not in Ohio, sadly, not in Ohio, sadly, not in the Midwest. Um, I, I think I always was a storyteller of sorts. Mm. Um, my family, family lore is how I used to force my siblings every Hanukkah to perform a Hanukkah play for our cousins. Oh, so we're the same. Yeah. <laughs> so, so basically we are long lost uh, siblings. Uh, we're related. Um, and, and I would do this every year and it was such a pain for like, I mean, everyone was so kind and sat and watched. Um, but I was always doing some sort of storytelling. Um, and then I think I, I wanted, I wanted desperately to be like a theater star when people were like, you're going to be a writer. I was like, no, I'm going to be an actor. Mm. And then realized pretty quickly that I can't sing, act or dance. So Broadway, not, not in the future. I mean, I feel like the closest I come to it is like every time I do uh, events, like I, I love doing panels and, and talking to people. And I remember I did a panel recently with LA Times and afterwards I was like, yeah, this is so much fun. And all the other, you know, usually writers are pretty, they're used to being by themselves. They sure. are drawn to writing because they like kind of the internal life of it. And, and I was just like, this was so great. This is so fun. And they were just like, what's wrong with you? I was like, I'm a former theater kid. That's, that's what's <laughs> wrong with me. <laughs> 
So you're not making it on Broadway anytime soon. And so you were like, okay, what can I do? Yeah. And I was, and it was always something I did for fun um, and would write like fanfic stories for friends in high school um, and then took a bunch of fiction classes in college, um, but was still just like, writing is not a career, you know, like I just had no concept of it being a job. Um, the closest I felt that it, I would come to it was you could teach writing, like you would teach writing and then you would maybe have a few books that came out. But the concept of being an author was just not real to me. Um, and so I went into animation production. And so I worked in animation for like five years um, and really loved it. Cause I'm a big, big animation nerd. Um, I think it's part of it's, it's, it's adjacent to the theater kid in me, all big, mm-hmm. big emotions. So I worked in, I worked in animation for, for a while and then was kind of like, well, if I want to, if I want to do this writing thing, if I want to write a book, I should, maybe this would be a good time to give it a, a shot. Mm. And so that was in, I think it was like 10 years ago. It was like 2012. And my boyfriend at the time, my current husband has, he's been like the biggest supporter of me. Um, I love that you say current husband as though there, there might be a next one. I mean, who knows? No, I'm holding on to him. He's not going anywhere. Um, he's, he's been great. He's, he was basically like, give it a shot. Like, like we're going to, we'll make it work so you can try writing full time. And Mm. that's kind of what's happened. Like I never looked back. Um, I've had to do like a lot of ghost writing to kind of fill in the gaps in my career. Cause I had two books that came out in 2014 and 2016. And then we had nothing until 2021. And then, and now, and now I'm like moving into, and that was young adult. So now I'm moving into a totally new space where I'm working in adult fiction, which I, I just feel like I'm coming home in a way. It's been just such an amazing experience and I'm Um, really happy. (laughs) Well, and so I know uh, the ghostwriting was romance. It was. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious the, when I think romance novel, I like see a very specific cover in my mind. Like maybe there's, you know, a shirtless man and flowy mm-hmm. hair. And it's mm-hmm. you know, very, very kind of quintessential, like probably sitting on my grandmother's nightstand. Mm-hmm. Um, but funny you should ask, you have called it a romance. And mm-hmm. for me, I'm like, this is a rom-com. Like I, I watch the whole movie play out in my mind, like <laughs> taking what I see on my grandma's nightstand. <laughs> How does that translate to funny you should ask? And then let's talk about what, what the book is. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, I, I think the thing is that rom-coms for me are romances. Um, mm, it's sure. just sort of a new marketing term for them. Um, but I feel, well, maybe that's not entirely true. I think rom-coms are kind of the love child between a traditional romance, like what you're talking about and like a women's fiction book. So it's oh. sort of in that middle space. Um, so it takes a lot of the, um, like a rom-com might be more likely to be written in a first person versus a traditional romance is going to be written in dual third person. Um, oh, so there are like technical literary differences. (laughs) That's so interesting. But I mean, like there are no hard and fast rules. That's Mm -hmm. the thing. The only hard and fast rule for romance. And I feel like for rom-coms as well, 
is that it has to have a happy ending. For our listeners that are unfamiliar with the book, what is your elevator pitch of of what it's about? Yes. So Funny You Should Ask is a dual timeline story. It's about a reporter named Hani Horowitz, who uh, is tasked with interviewing her number one celebrity crush, Gabe Parker, who was just announced as the first James Bond, the first American James Bond. And um, the interview, which is supposed to be an afternoon, turns into a weekend. The article goes viral with everyone sort of wondering what happened between the two of them. Um, And then 10 years later, the two of them meet up again, their careers are in different places. And the story sort of unfolds where we, we learn what happened 10 years ago, what's happening now. And then also like what Connie wrote about in her article. I'm obsessed with the structure of the book. Thank you. At first I was like, am I getting ahead of it? But really no, because so again, to our listeners who are unfamiliar, it's, it, it's six days over the span of 10 years, it is a Friday, a Saturday, and a Sunday. And the way the book is laid out is Friday of then and Friday now, Saturday then, Saturday now, Sunday then, Sunday now. And it was such a fun way to watch the story unfold, to hear, to read the story unfold, to experience the story unfold. Um, and I feel like, you know, when books are about or not even just books. I have a hard time watching cooking shows because I love watching it and I love the experience, but I don't get to taste it. <laughs> you know, and it's so yeah. not frustrating is the wrong word, but it's disappointing because it's you only get to experience so much of the dimensionality of the story. Right. Um, but this book, so not only is Hani a writer, but you get to read some of what she's writing and that's really special too. So not only is it, uh, this dual timeline, but you also get peppered in some of the the article that she's writing uh, and other other articles as well, because it's it really is this kind of love letter to writers and journalism and what it means to um, uh, have a journalistic eye uh, and what's what it what it entails to tell a story, right? And because you get the truth, right? I just put air quotes to. <laughs> No one could see me do that. I, I did air quotes. You get the truth right. in the in the narrative of the story. Um, and then you kind of see how that real life is adapted in the article that plays out, which I think is also really interesting. Um, Thank you. And you don't just hear about it. Yeah. I mean, I really wanted to, uh, part of the story is, is making sure that we're examining um, these parasocial relationships we have with fame and with celebrity and taking us to task a little, like, you know, what, what do we know? What do we think we know? Um, and I, and I, and I really wanted to have like all of the, um, interstitials. So the little articles, cause we have, um, Hani's work, but then we also have like interviews with Gabe. I wanted to make sure all of that was like forward facing in a sense that like, if you were Googling Gabe Parker, this is the information you'd find about him online. And if you were Googling Hani Horowitz, this is what you would find right. about her. Right. So we're kind of all, when you, when you, I wanted the exposition to be sort of like what we would get as norm, quote unquote, normal people. If these two people were celebrities or journalists in our world and what would we, we'd be able to find out about them and know about them. Yeah. So it was a really interesting way to learn more about the character without 
characters without the the straight narrative of the story, which was really cool. I know Thank I felt you. like because I'm the person who I'd be halfway through and and then Google. <laughs> and yeah, you're like, okay, now I need is, to know. This is fiction, so I can't Google these characters, but you basically did the Googling for me, which was really fun. That's why um, I, I live to be the the in-book Google <laughs> for oh, readers. I love that. Um, so, well, speaking of, you know, so interesting because the book is clearly inspired by the kind of concept of um, the celebrity profile. And, yeah. you know, I think there have been so many and, you know, were there any specific that you were like, oh, this, these are current and interesting that I'm inspired by when I'm writing this? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, there's, there's a, there's three, I think that came out around the same time. There's one, there's the GQ interview with, um, Sorry if you can hear my dogs howling in the background. <laughs> they hear fire truck and they go nuts. Oh. Um, but there's the uh, Chris Evans interview in GQ. Um, there's a Channing Tatum one, which I also think is GQ. And then um, a uh, Tom Hiddleston one. And I feel like all three of them were these amazing female journalists who used themselves to sort of talk about fame and celebrity and about the people they were interviewing um, in a way that we really hadn't seen before in interviews and profiles. And I just thought it was just not only just well-written and so engaging, but just a really smart way to look at celebrity and to really contextualize it. And I, and I wanted to, to play with that. Um, and, and also like the, you know, I think with a lot of celebrity, normal people romances, um, it is this, it's usually, it's usually the guy who's a celebrity and the woman who's not. And, and she doesn't know who he is. She doesn't know who the celebrity is. Um, and so I really wanted to be like, no, she, not only she knows this guy, she has like a big old crush on him. <laughs> it's very awkward. And they're now in this situation where the power dynamics are really complicated because he has power because he's a celebrity, but she has power because she's writing an article that everyone is going to read. And that I think is an interesting way to put them a little bit more on, on a level playing field versus someone who is so famous and someone who really doesn't have power in that situation. Mm -hmm. I have to thank you deeply for bringing something to my attention. Guess what I did last night. In preparation for this conversation. Did you watch the Philadelphia story? I watched the Philadelphia story. <laughs> Yay. Thank you so much. And it was, was your first time seeing it? It was my first time seeing it. Oh my God. I'm this, obsessed with it. Isn't it amazing? There have not been, no one's talked to you about the comparisons or, or your inspiration from the Philadelphia story, even though you practically scream from the rooftops in the book that this was inspired by Philadelphia story. And I was so curious. I was like, Oh, I just wonder if, if you had a reverence for the film and you know, Oh, maybe there's like some little nugget of something that's, that's dipped into to this book. It's like, no, it is essentially a modern adaptation of the Philadelphia story. Um, not actually because there aren't total parallels, but the concept of 
you know, reporter, celebrity profile, weekend, not just, you know, a lunch. Like, all of that was there. And I thought that that was so cool. And, of course, the... um, the female empowerment of the Katherine Hepburn character and Honey, I think is also a really interesting parallel. And considering that the movie came out in 1940, it's just insane. It feels so, like the dialogue is so modern. And, and I feel like Cary Grant's character is very, is, is almost like even more progressive than what we're seeing in like romantic films. The fact that he's just like, I don't care what happened. I don't, I don't like, it's none of my business what she did with this other guy. And I love her no matter what. And I don't judge her for it. You're just like, I know. I was now. like, I need to talk to my therapist about this because I need to be that chill. Right. I mean, he's just, like, he just <laughs> is like, I feel like he's someone who like that character is so empowering in his way because he really like he, the love he has for Catherine Hepburn character is so evident and and he just like but he sees her it's like one of those things where it just i put it in and then it added all of these other dimensions and 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 just tied a lot of things thematically into the story and and even the relationship between the two of them yeah it was this thread between them over the course of the 10 years i thought was so beautiful Um, something I learned about the Philadelphia story is that it was considered, I don't know if you know this, I'm sure you do. It was considered the, the genre is a comedy of remarriage. Oh, I didn't know that, but I love that. It was called a comedy of remarriage, which was a genre popular in the thirties and forties where couples divorce, flirt with others and then get remarried because, because the, extramarital affairs were blocked by the production code. So you couldn't have an affair in a movie. But if you're divorced, but if you're you're divorced and it's not an affair. You're not having an affair. So it was for for decades, it was this comedy of remarriage. Again, I put it in air quotes to our listeners. (laughs) I'm I'm not used (laughs) to people not being able to see me. Um, And right, it was this, this whole genre of storytelling that I think is just so fascinating. I love that. And it's, it's just like the way people got around the production code is fat. I mean, like I've watched um, the celluloid closet like a billion times. It's one of my favorite documentaries. Have oh, you ever, no, I've never seen it. I'm going to write Oh that my down. God. The celluloid closet. It's great. It's all about queer representation in films during the production code, basically. Fascinating. And it's, it's a book, but then they made a documentary out of it and it talks about, and it shows like scenes and it just talks about like queer coding for an, like specific audiences and like it shows like scenes from like gentlemen prefer blondes which is like both the straightest and gayest movie of all time mm-hmm. and just talking about like how you know like i'm a straight person but we're kind of dumb about picking up on those things huh. like, it, you know it's like if we if it's not about us you know like there's so much stuff that gets hidden mm-hmm. and if you're not a if you're not watching it with a certain eye, like there's a lot of stuff you can get away with and it's delicious. Speaking of the word code, thinking about like journalism code, journalist code, I was thinking a lot about that in reading this book because, you know, as a journalist, where is the line between professionalism and your personal life? Because at the end of the day, like, yes, you are a professional, but you also are a human with, 
needs and instincts and wants and passion. And there was this really beautiful kind of line that you drew. And how did, how do you feel like that was important to navigate? Was it important to navigate to just kind of throw things on the page? Was that something you thought about at all? Yeah, no, I mean, I have, I have friends. I, I don't do a lot of journalistic writing, um, like nonfiction writing, but I have a lot of friends who do. And I have friends who have done like interviews and profiles like this. And we definitely talked about like that weird dynamic I was sort of talking about before of just how the power works and the weird power shifts. Yeah. And, and I think like, I am really, it's really important to me to show female characters that are flawed and make mistakes and screw things up. And like, yeah, Hani's doing slightly questionable things for sure. Like she probably shouldn't be going to the premiere with him. Like that's probably not the best thing for her to do. But if you were in her situation, would you say no? Absolutely not. No. And also I, there's probably this element of, it'll make my story better. It'll give me more to yes. write, you know, so you, you can kind of justify these choices. You know, it's funny thinking about something like RuPaul's Drag Race and knowing that like the judges hang out with the contestants or I was a casting director and I've become friends with lots of actors. And there is that fine line between, okay, there is, there is real life. And then there's professional life when, you know, your, your the other hat gets put on. Yeah. And it's like, it's so those lines get blurred really, really easily. And I think it's, you know, there is no, it's, it's just, we're all still navigating these things. We're all still trying to figure out like how to best interact with each other. And just people, we're people. Yeah. We're all people. And it's, you know, and I think the thing like, as you know, there's, there are some like boundaries that get crossed, but it's, you know, at the end of the day, no one is doing like Gabe is not using his power to manipulate her. She's not using her power. They're just kind of like, they're trying to interact with each other, like outside of those power dynamics. And they're trying to sort of remove them and be like, okay, who can we just be, you know, when we're just two people. Um, and that's, you know, that's like a complicated thing to do in real life. And, and in stories it's, um, I mean, it creates tension and, and interest, um, but I feel like it also is sort of, you know, a good way to explore like, well, what does it mean if you are a female journalist dealing with male celebrities? You know, like, what is the, like, how does, how does gender play into these things? And, and, you know, Hani experiences later on, like that with some male actors, they don't, they do take advantage of that, or they have expectations or they're, they have assumptions about what she's willing to do and what that means. Um, And I think the sad thing is, is I think that even if nothing had happened with Hani and Gabe, I think that assumption would still be there. Of course. You know, cause that's just the way our society thinks. Um, and that's, you know, something we need to deal with as far as just gender and how deeply ingrained the patriarchy is in everything that we do. And yeah, so it's, it's, it's ways to explore that. It was so fun reading Gabe as not or as a, as a, as a, well, as a fully fleshed out human who has emotions and who is not just this jerk of a celebrity and, you know, he has empathy and he 
comes from a, a normal background. You know, it was, it was just fun to read. And for him to then learn as he's going about his life was also really exciting. I also, as someone who reads a lot of romance there, you know, there's, there's some sort of, you know, not great toxic masculinity stuff that still permeates just because like we're in the patriarchal soup. So like, this is like, we can't ignore it. And a lot of times like you're reading, if you're someone who reads a lot of romance, like I do, it's like you, you almost like, you know, are writing sometimes based on what you're reading versus what you're experiencing or what you want to experience. Mm-hmm. Because you're like, this is what romance is. This is like what the genre is. This right. is what dynamics between, especially if you're like, like writing to cisgendered, you know, uh, you know, heterosexual relationships. Right. Um, like this is what is sexy for men. And I really wanted to push back on our ideas about what we find attractive in male heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you know, Gabe is, in a lot of ways, he's still like, he's, he's white, he's straight, he's rich, he's famous. So he does fit a few of those like stereotypes. Former addict. Like he's a flawed character, but you see that he's willing to grow. And you very articulately stated what I was feeling in terms of, I was like grateful to see him. um, Yeah. I mean, I, I'm really all about like, like let's promote therapy as something that's like great for people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I really wanted like Gabe, to, but one of the things I was able to do having this 10 year gap between them is that his change in his um, character growth is independent of her. He really goes on this journey by himself to go and get help for his addiction. And like, he's someone who asks for help and gets help and, leans on other people in his life. He has all of these like really supportive, lovely friends and and family. And his relationship with Ollie is really important because I feel like they, I wanted to just show two men having a really intimate friendship. Um, Because I just, I feel like you don't see that as often. Um, There's always like, you know, kind of this like bro-y undercurrent to it where it's like they can't they can be friends but they can't be like affectionate with each other they can't you know they can't hug each other without slapping each other on the back Mm -hmm. and it's like you know i feel like gabe calls ollie and tells him that he loves him you know like that's just their relationship and and i you know my husband has extremely intimate relationships with you know friendships with other men and i think it's just so wonderful and i want to sort of see that more. I want to be seeing yeah. more varied representations of that. Um, who's your Gabe? And I don't mean, who do you picture Gabe like in the movie version? Like mm. who is the person, if someone said you have to do this article that you would be like, oh my God, that's my Gabe. <laughs> I think, I think the I would choose my, my, very, very first celebrity crush when I was a preteen teenager was David Duchovny. On oh, the X-Files. okay. I, I think if I ever met him, I would not know what to do with myself. Because <laughs> it's like, he, not only it's like, not only growing up watching the X-Files and loving it, but like, that's something like me and my husband bonded over. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, very, it would be like for both of us, we would just be like, oh my God, David Duchovny, it would be so cool. That's and he's like so beautiful, funny. so... Okay, totally unrelated, completely going into a different different realm. Do it. I love how this is like such a Jewish book without being a Jewish book. 
Thank you. And Thank I, you. it's funny, I feel like because of my job, I'm like slightly more in tune to things like that, or I'm like paying attention to the fact that this is like a very Jewish book, even though it's not a Jew. Like if someone read this, they wouldn't be like, oh, wow, it was so Jewish. But yeah, this like really fantastic undercurrent of Hani is Jewish and that means something to her. And I thought yeah. that was so cool. Thank you. I, I think there is, it's interesting writing quote unquote, diverse books and diverse characters. Because I think a lot of the time when publishers say that or people, gatekeepers say that, they're actually talking about like writing diverse characters for the majority to understand. Like, Mm. let's use this character to educate us on what it means to be Jewish. So like, that's when you're reading a book and you'll see like, they're going to like italicize the prayer Shabbat yeah. or oh, something. Yes. And, then, uh-huh. and then they're going to like explain it in parentheses. Like we're going to Shabbat, you know, the Jewish holy day of rest. And you're just like, right. like for me, I'm just like, look, either you, you get it because you know it, or you get it from context or you Google it. Like you can figure mm-hmm. it out. I know what Christmas is, you know, right. like no one has to explain to me what Christmas is because it's everywhere. And so I just expect my readers to, my readers are smart. Like I have, they're smart. Romance readers are smart. They can figure it out. They don't need me holding their hand to be like, you know, here's a Yiddish word. Let me Mm -hmm. define it for you. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Use your context. It's fine. Use your context. And then it gets to be this extra thing for, for readers who are of that underrepresented group to feel like, oh, I'm being seen and not pandered to like, this is being written for me. Um, it's sort of like, we're talking about like queer coding. It's like, you pick up on it if you know, right. and, and you don't, if you don't, and that's okay. Right. Um, it's, it's not just... like honey was dressed up as a hamantashen. Yeah, exactly. Just well, me. Well, just me. Picture, picture of Alyssa dressed up as a hamantashen. Just me on, as a hamantashen for Purim. You know? <laughs> um, and I think, you know, with, with Jewish characters, it's like, I, I have a very complicated relationship with Judaism. I think a lot of Jews do. And, and I think, I mean, publishing, just our stories in general are usually about educating other people as to be like, please don't kill us. Like we're human beings too. Or, hey, remember the Holocaust? That's our defining cultural thing that we can offer is telling stories about the Holocaust. And I'm just like, there are so many other stories I want to tell. And, and I that was, we are just living, breathing people who exactly. fall in love and, you know. Yeah. And I, and I mean, it was really important for me to, you know, I've, I've grown up, the representation of interfaith couples is usually the guy is Jewish and the girl is not. Oh, interesting. And we rarely ever, and women, Jewish women very rarely get represented as anything but like nags or mm-hmm. your, you know, pushy Jewish mom or your spoiled Jewish American princess. And it's like this, you know, if you're a Jewish woman growing up and seeing these images, you're almost like taught that like, you're the consolation prize for Jewish men. 
they have to marry you because they want to have Jewish babies because their moms told you so, but they would much rather marry the like gorgeous Mm non-Jew who's sexier and more attractive. And so it was really important in this story. Magazines. Right. Right. And, and so it was important for me, like Connie is like sexy and fun and attractive and desirable. And like, I just, you know, we we're seeing more and more of that, but it's still pretty rare um, to see. Yeah. I want, I just also want to say to that specific point, I love that you don't ever really deeply describe your characters in this book. Thank you. Because you just said all of those things about her and you never come out and say that about her. You never come out and say that about Gabe. There are these, you use your context clues and you know that she is desirable because somebody wants her and it doesn't matter what you describe her to look like. Um, you know, and that's yeah. up to us as readers to kind of decide how we're, how we cast her in our mind. Yeah. I mean, I really, I want people to, I, I, I am maybe more withholding than some romance writers where mm. I just don't say as much about those things, because I think I know that I've read romances where people get very descriptive. And then like, what happens if you stumble across something that you're like, I don't find that attractive. Then sure. suddenly right. you're like, I'm not interested in this character. That's so interesting. Absolutely. You know, versus like the attraction is the way the other character feels about them. And that's, what's important yeah. because every I beauty is in the eye of the beholder, you know, you, and, and we do need more. So we, you know, I think when we forget that celebrities are normal people, we also forget that like they have normal average or unusual quote unquote desires and are attracted to a variety of people. They are not, you know, just because you are, you look a certain way or you have a certain job, that doesn't mean that, that, that you're only attracted to people who look that way and have that certain job, you know? And And why you don't need to give the description of the magazine cover model. Yeah, exactly. Cause I think we need to, we need more variety of, of, body types in romance for sure. Um, not just with women, with men too. Um, it was important to me that like Gabe gains weight over 10 years, you know, right. he's not that's what people do. Cause that's what people do. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. And like, he has a beard and she has gray hairs and like, you know, this is what happens and it's, it's okay. And you can still be considered attractive and beautiful, even yeah. if you're not perfect. Did you feel like you wrote yourself in her? Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, for sure. I I think it's, you know, you want to, uh, all characters for me at least have something that I can pull from real life to make them feel, um, real to me. Um, and it's like, you know, there's a little bit of, of me and Gabe, there's a little bit Mm -hmm. of me and Ollie Mm -hmm. and like all the characters has, have something that I felt connected to. Yeah. That was Um, an ignorant thing of me to ask because I think that uh, well, no, it's true though. And it's interesting for me to even acknowledge because you are a woman and you're Jewish and you are writing this book and it's a female protagonist. And so of course my mind goes to, oh, Alyssa probably sees a lot of herself in Hani, but you wrote all the other characters too. Yes. <laughs> you know what I <laughs> but mean? It's, but I mean, Hani is definitely, you know, like I, I, I pulled a lot of, and it was, I think for this book in particular, I was really writing it with no expectations and writing it so for myself. Mm. Um, so I was just like, there was a little bit of this freedom of like, I'm not going to 
try to make up and research things about her if I don't have to. I'm just going to pull things from my life that I can use that feel like they will make her feel more fully fleshed out. Well, and that's sort of like what I was saying at the very beginning and that I feel like I know you just from reading the book because I just decided that there was so much of you, like your love of Philadelphia story, right? Like, let's talk about what musicals do you want to sing right now? Because you clearly have a love of musicals. Definitely. How many times can we talk about Into the Woods in one book? Well, so I can't say too, I can't say too much about the second book, but it does, it does involve Into the Woods, the book I'm working on right now. And it is more, it is about, it is about musical theater. jaw is dropped right now. (laughs) I'm so excited. Because I, it's, it is like, it's one of my favorite musicals. I love it. And I, and I, and I have said like, my why that came out in 2021 drawn that way, which is about a girl working in animation. I feel like if people read that mm-hmm. book and they read funny and they like both of those, then it's like, yeah, you probably will probably get along yeah, because it is so a similar, you know, it's my sense of humor. Like I, I, so I well, that's yeah. what I read it. I read it in like a day and a half. I told your, your public publicity team. I was like, okay, people use the word devoured. And like, I think that that's ridiculous, but I think I understand what that means. Cause I devoured the book. I read it so quickly. I just wanted to know what happened and I loved them so much. And I just like, and I, and I loved your, your voice. And I, you know, I was like, okay, Alyssa and I are friends. She doesn't know it yet, but we are. <laughs> I mean, I can say now we are totally friends. We're so totally we're, friends. You know, it's great. Okay. In, in Jewish tradition, we have questions. Great. Four questions. And in Jewish tradition, I have two opinions, I'm okay. sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so my the four questions that I ask at the end of all of these interviews. Great. What is a book that changed your life? Oh, a book that changed my life. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my goodness. Uh, I would say this is a book that uh, has a very, very small following, but a very passionate following. And okay. it's um, called Dealing with Dragons. It's a fantasy YA novel that was written by Patricia C. Reed. And it, I feel like it's one of those if you read it, you'll sort of can see where the birth of my sense of humor, I think comes from. It has, it has this kind of dry, um, playful kind of sense of humor that, that feels like 1940s films to me. There's this kind of banter. Oh, fun. Oh, I have to yeah. check it out. I'm yeah. not, I've never considered myself a big fantasy fan, but I have to say one of my absolute favorite movies of all time is how to train your dragon. Oh, <gasps> I love that movie so much. Like, I think it's truly, perfection. It's, it's perfection. It's perfection. It's so, it's so brilliant and it works on so many levels and the I love it. It's a is great film. Beautiful. The animation is stunning. So anyway, Amazing. you said dealing with dragons and even though like typically not my bag, if you, if the person who wrote funny, you should ask recommends a book about dragons. I will read it. I think it's like, it's not a, it's not an epic fantasy. So it's That's like, okay. it's, yeah. So I, it's like, I think it's good for people who aren't usually like a fantasy reader. It is, oh, it is, feels a little more accessible. Okay. All right. Yeah. Noted. All right. <laughs> Question two. Yes. If you could eat one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? <sighs> one thing for the rest of my life. Uh, I feel like I have to go with the pie option. 
I think it would be, I think it would be pumpkin pie. I love pumpkin pie. Right. Pumpkin pie with whipped cream. Yeah. Good answer. I feel like if you didn't say pumpkin pie, it would negate this whole conversation. I know. It's just like the whole thing would, would <laughs> right. it wouldn't right. even exist. So she's a liar from the yeah. beginning. She's a total liar. We can't trust anything she says. Um, do you have a teacher? Or I guess I should say, who is a teacher that had a big impact on you? That's, that's an interesting one. I, I'm going to say this is, this is an unusual one. Cause she's not technically a teacher, but my agent, Elizabeth mm-hmm. Buley is like the person I consider like closest to a mentor who is just like the best advocate. She was a editor for years and years and years before she became an agent. And so I trust like her notes, her like she, her instincts are so good. And I would just, if she told me like, you should do A, B, C, or D with your career. I'm like, great. No questions asked. I'm doing it. I love that. I know they, yeah. that, that's a teacher in a different yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. She's cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's definitely, she's like my, my, my work, my professional teacher. I love that. Yeah. Uh, okay. What is something on your bucket list that you maybe oh. have either done or have yet to do? Bucket list. Um, or what would be on your bucket list if you don't would be on my bucket list. I've been wanting to do more travel, you know, obviously now that like things are opening up again. Um, but like, I would love to go see like the Northern lights. Ooh, that would be, that would be a pretty exciting thing. I think. Okay. I I see it now. A romance about a woman who goes on this excursion to go to see the Northern Lights. It's been on her bucket list and she falls in love with the tour guide. Love it. You're welcome. Well, or you can, (laughs) why don't you write it? Come on. (laughs) Everyone, everybody should write. I I mean, I I always think anyone who wants to do anything creatively or wants to learn about story or plot should read and write romance. Like it's, it's such a master course in storytelling. And I guess one bonus question Okay. If not into the woods, what's your favorite musical? What's another favorite musical for my Ooh. own personal? Because I just want to know. I love. Oh my God, I love so many. Um, I would say like I have a very deep affinity for the Pajama Game. Oh, classic. I really, really, yeah. The Pajama okay. Game is like, it's it's one of my like old school, and I love it because so I never Calamity Jane uh-huh. and pajama game so that's how i knew doris day and she's kind of a slut in both of them (laughs) so the whole concept of like her being this virginal character i was like i don't i don't get it i've I've seen her riding horses and like kissing kissing dudes like Mm -hmm. i don't i don't know i don't know this doris day you're talking about i only know the calamity jane and babe williams one oh so fun um Alyssa, you are a delight you are also a delight. This was well, so much fun. Thank you. And, you know, everyone should read Funny You Should Ask by Alyssa Sussman. I'm mm-hmm. holding up the book as though people can see it, but you can. <laughs> but the cover is fantastic. So if you Isn't haven't it? even seen it, like Google it and then read it because it's so joyful and it's like a perfect summer read. Go by the pool, fall in love mm-hmm. with these characters. And obviously, spoiler, spoiler alert, it's a romance. So it's a happy ending. Yes. You don't have to worry about it not turning out good in the end but There's... but what's so great about it before we go is like mm-hmm. you do still wonder as a reader you like know it's gonna have a happy ending because like hello i've watched a gajillion romantic companies and i know that they're gonna fall in love at the end but you read this and you're like 
wait, what's the drama going to be? Are they, what's going to happen? Because you, you know, that's what makes a good story. And you still are on that journey. Thank you. I mean, I'm so, it's been such a great experience. Um, I'm just really, really pleased with the book and really happy that people are loving it. So I'm so glad. It's awesome. You should be Thank proud. You. Mazel tov. Thank you. Thank and you so much. Day. Thanks, Alyssa. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, talk to you soon. All right, bye. Funny You Should Ask by Alyssa Sussman is on sale now. And as always, you can pick up your copy wherever books are sold. This podcast is produced by Udi Ehrman and me, Jason Blumen. Our editor is Matt Tempkin with music written and performed by Peril Wolf. Thanks for listening to 76 West's summer podcast series. We look forward to releasing a new season of Conversations this fall. Make sure to check out our other episodes this series if you haven't had a chance to listen and like and subscribe so you'll be the first to know when that new season drops. Until next time.